Good morning. It's great to see everybody here today in spite of the, uh, the rain that uh, greeted us as we were all out the door, but um, we're thankful that you didn't let that stop you and that you're here today. We are continuing our uh, brief series of, of messages on the subject of marriage, and uh, that goes along with our marriage seminar that is uh, continuing for 10 weeks, and I understand that that's going very well. I'm glad to know that it is, and I hope that it's being a blessing to many of you. I, I don't know how accurate what I'm about to say is, but I heard a speaker say it one time, and, and he was more than 100 miles from home, and so it has to be right. Uh, but this particular speaker, speaking on the subject of marriage, said that the average man has six items in his bathroom. He has a toothpaste, toothbrush, comb, bar of soap, a razor, and a towel that says Holiday Inn. <laughs> Women, on the other hand, have 437 items in their bathrooms, most of which a man cannot even identify. Men and women are different. That may be an exaggeration, I'm sure it is, but men and women are different, aren't we? No question about that. We know, for example, that men are less communicative than women. I heard about one man who was reading the evening paper in the den with his wife, and, and he's sitting there reading the paper, and he looks up kind of smugly, and he says, this article says that during the course of a day, uh, that a woman speaks 30,000 words, and a man speaks only 15,000. And she said that's because she has to say everything twice. And about 30 seconds later, he said, what? <laughs> there are differences. There are differences. What about the TV remote? Yeah, women use the TV remote to see what's on TV. Men use the remote to see what else is on TV. Just keep surfing through to find out what there is there. Well, the differences are there. The differences aren't all bad either. After all, uh, the differences are one of the main reasons that we do get married. Uh, if my memory serves me correctly, I recall being attracted to Linda not because she was anything like me. Uh, she was not 6'5 and, and had long nose and big ears. Uh, had she been, you know, that might not have ever happened. But uh, the differences, the differences are part of the beauty of marriage. And we need to understand that. But the differences do make marriage more of a challenge sometimes. In 1986, a counselor by the name of Willard Harley published a book called His Needs, Her Needs, Building an Affair-Proof Marriage. This has uh, been a best-selling book for over 30 years now. It's still used by a lot of marriage counselors and uh, uh, in premarital situations and uh, recommended in seminars and all kinds of things. But after years of experience, Harley realized that when he asked couples who were in troubled marriages... What things would make them happy again? What 10 things would make them happy again? Men and women tended to list the same things. They tended to list the same things. What was different was that the men's top five were different from the women's top five. In other words, if they all had the same list of 10, but the, the men's list of top five, you know, they took these things down here and said, no, those are the most important. And the women's list... Uh, took the other five from the list and said, no, those are the top five. 
So he wrote this book called His Needs, Her Needs. And here's what he says about the basic needs of men. He says they, the top five are sexual fulfillment, recreational companionship, an attractive spouse, domestic support, and respect. He says those are the top five things that men say would make them happy, their top five needs. On the other hand, he says women's top five needs are these, affection, conversation, honesty and openness, family commitment, and financial security. Now, two things I want you to notice about those lists. Number one, these differences are one of the, of the things that make having a good marriage a challenge. The fact that we don't see the same value or place the same values on exactly the same things. That means we will not always have the same priorities and that some things have to be worked out there. But number two, uh, these differences offer clues to what can make a good marriage better and what can make a struggling marriage a good marriage. And that is that we are to strive to meet one another's needs, not just what you think is important, not just what he thinks is important, what she thinks is important, but realizing what's important to the other and focusing on meeting the needs of the other person instead of focusing always on trying to get your own needs met. There's one example of this that's brought up a lot of times, and that is communication. Someone once said that men speak in headlines and women speak in details. Guy comes in at the end of the day, sees his wife. She says, how was your day? He says, fine. And he walks out of the room. Well, she thinks he's not being communicative. She wants to talk, and he thinks he did. So what needs to happen there? He needs to be more communicative with her, as well as her recognizing that sometimes he needs space. So there are those differences, but they, they can be challenges, but they are challenges that can be met by being considerate of each other and the differences within each other. Now, remember that Harley said that all 10 of the things that I listed earlier are important to both. They just don't have the same level of priority for men as they do for women. Recognizing this is important, recognizing those differences. But at the same time, we don't want to lose sight of the fact that we are more alike than we are different. When I do premarital counseling with couples, that's one of the things that I like to emphasize to them. You have your differences, no question about that. That's one of the things that's attracted you to each other, no question about that. But you are more alike than you are different. And therefore, you can, you can be assured that whatever needs your spouse has or that you have are also needs that your spouse has. We are more alike than we are uh, different. About 20 years ago, the Human Genome Project discovered that there are approximately 30,000 genes within the human body. Every one of us made up of about 30,000 genes. And there's a difference of only 78 genes that are not the same for men as for women. Only 78 out of over 30,000. That means that genetically speaking, men and women are 99.7% the same. We are 99.7% the same. We share the same genetic makeup with that one slight difference. Now, Scripture bears that out. We looked a few weeks ago at Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27, but let's go back and revisit it. 
What did God say when he decided to create humanity? He said, let us make man in our image and our likeness. Let us make man in our image and our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. What does that tell us? It tells us that both male and female make up humanity. When God said, let's create man in our image, he wasn't saying, let's create males in, in our image, but not females. They are both in God's image. Men and women both are in the image of God. We are more alike than we are different. Genesis 2, verses 18 to 23, when the, when the woman was created to be a helper suitable for the man, someone who corresponded to the man, she was the only one of God's creatures who could fulfill that role. She was the only one of God's creatures who was alike enough for him. He had looked at all the other animals that God had made, and there was not found for the man a helper suitable for him until God created the woman. So what does all that tell us? Well, basically, what you most need and want in your marriage, that's what your husband and wife most needs and wants. What you most need and want is what your spouse most needs and wants. Last week, we were looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 21 to 34. And you remember that in verse 34, after uh, Paul had said uh, to wives that they should submit to their husbands as to the Lord, and, and husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church. In verse 34, he says, husbands were to love their wives, and wives should see that they respect their husbands. We talked about that. That is a fundamental need of men. But one of the biggest complaints that women have is that their husbands don't respect them. So you see, both are looking for respect. Both are seeking the same thing. It isn't just men who want to be respected. Women want to be respected too. Same is true for affection. You notice that was one of the top five listed for women in Harley's book. Affection. Both want infection, uh, affection. They're, it's important to both men and women. Men want that too. It may be that in the cases of men, it's often expressed sexually, but it's the same need. Both are seeking affection from the other. Men and women are not that different. They are different, but not that different. Think about what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, verse 12. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. We call that the golden rule, don't we? Whatever you would that others would do to you, do so to them. Has it ever occurred to you that this golden rule applies to your husband? Has it ever occurred to you that the golden rule applies to your wife? Whatever Whatever you would that your spouse would do to you, you'd do that for them. That's what Jesus taught. We often overlook the fact that everything in the Bible about how to treat one another applies in our marriages as well as it applies at church. Paul wrote in his letters numerous times about one another. That's one of his favorite phrases when he's talking about how to put the gospel into action in the church. He'll talk about how we treat one another. And that those one another texts all are applicable in our marriages as well, how we treat one another. 1 Corinthians 13, verses three to, uh, 4 to 7, very, very familiar text to most of us. 
I want you to read that with your husband or your wife in mind. Listen to these words in the context of marriage. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Has a little different slant on it when we think of it in light of marriage, doesn't it? And then there's Ephesians 4, 25 to 32. You heard this read at the beginning of the service. How different would your marriage be if you put those things into practice? Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Many times do we think about what we say to our husbands or our wives, whether or not it's going to build them up or tear them down. Is it going to impart grace to those who hear? How about this one? Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. And then the scripture reading for this morning that I hope you still have open in, in front of you. In Philippians 2, verses 1 to 11. This was written to a church that was disgruntled with one another. And they, they were just unhappy with each other for a variety of reasons. There was disunity over false teaching and, and various other things. But they were, they were not at their best. They were not really looking out for each other and thinking about one another. And Paul says, here's the solution to that. The solution to that is the self-giving, self-sacrificing love of Christ, looking out for the interests of others. He says if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Think of that as a marriage text. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Had this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not think equality with God something to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant and being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see the importance of that for marriage? You see what Paul is saying to all believers and how it particularly applies in a marital setting? It's really quite obvious, isn't it? What's the solution for a marriage when a couple is down on each other? Pretty obvious, isn't it? Just read Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. So the differences are there. 
but we are more alike than we are different. We simply be, need to be aware of each other and of each other's needs and do what we can to meet them. Regardless of the differences between men and women, our basic needs are all the same because we're more alike than we are different. And that applies to marital happiness. It's a giant step toward marital happiness. It's putting yourself in the place of your husband and wife. What does my husband, what does my wife most need from me? Remember what we said last week about Ephesians 5.21? Before you get into the wives submit to your husbands and husbands love your wives, what did Paul say? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And we define submitting to one another the way Paul defines it. Submitting to one another means giving to the other what they most need. Giving to the other what they most need because that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did. He gave himself up for the church. We all have the same basic needs and the greatest one is to be at peace with God. Because when we are at peace with God, then we can be at peace with one another. We all need forgiveness. We all need a Savior. We all need one common purpose for living, and that is to be like Jesus, to lead our families to do the same. It's not that hard to change your marriage if both want to do it. It's not that hard to change your marriage if both are willing. It's not that hard to change your life. The only thing that it requires is your decision to follow Christ and live in the way that he lived in your home as well as everywhere else. Let's bow together and pray. Father, we're so grateful today for our Savior, Jesus. So thankful that he didn't think about his own needs but about ours. That he was willing to sacrifice himself that we might have life everlasting with you. Father, we pray that you would help us to be like him in every way. Especially, Father, as we're thinking about marriage. Help us to be like him in regard to our husbands, our wives, our children, all of those around us. Help us, Father, to look not only to our own interests, but to the interests of our, our, friend, our loved ones in Christ. Help us, Father, to give ourselves to you knowing that there we will find peace and we will find joy and that we can find it together. Thank you so much, Father, for this time of worship. Thank you for this time to look into your word. Bless us as we seek to put it into practice. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing the invitation song, and if you're ready to give your life over to Christ today and start living his way, not looking for your own interest, but his and that of other people, we invite you to come. Let's stand together and sing.